giant robot smashing into other giant robots. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Giant Robots Smashing into Other Giant Robots podcast. It is November 1st. My name is Ben Orenstein, and I am here today with Brian Helmkamp. How's it going, Brian? Hey, Ben. Going well. Good. We are here at RubyConf 2012, broadcasting from the uh, the sponsor's room. We're tucked back here in our corner with uh, some podcasting setup, and uh, we've interviewing interviewing a lot of interesting people, and Brian, you're next up on the hot seat. Fantastic. Yeah. So, um, Brian, you run a product called Code Climate. That's right. Yeah. And what does Code Climate do? So, Code Climate is a hosted service that does automated code reviews of your Ruby and Rails applications. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, teams use it to basically identify technical debt in their code bases and fix it, and also to make sure that their projects stay on track over time as they're making changes and adding new features. Nice. That's a pretty good elevator pitch. Have you practiced that? Uh, not enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty refined. That's a pretty. That's a pretty good picture. So, um, when, how long ago did this start? Uh, so, in various forms, I've been working on it for more than a year and a half now, okay. and the longest customers have been customers for over a year now. So okay. that was a recent milestone. So we're we're using this. When did we sign up? How long ago was that? You guys were within the first two or three months so probably approaching a year at this point cool very good so what early on what made you decide to launch this as a business what were the early signs that this was something that would be worthwhile yeah that's a good question um so basically i've been an engineering manager at a few different startups and what i've seen is you know there's teams that are um you know they're working they're producing a lot of code these are skilled teams using what are considered sort of best practices they're probably using um maybe tdd pair programming short iterations all the kind of things that you sort of expect um a lot uh, like high functioning teams to be doing these days but what i saw over and over again was that Even when doing all of that and having smart people with the best of intentions, there was a natural tendency for code bases to become sort of harder to maintain over the long term. Once you get after that first year, that second year, everyone I talked to kind of had the same feeling, which is like it's a bit harder to get new features into the app uh, now than it was when we started. We kind of missed that greenfield feeling, Mm -hmm. right? So I was like, okay, that's interesting. Um, is there anything else that we could do to help resist that sort of downward pull? Uh, and, you know, I'd played with static analysis tools in the past, um, like a lot of, you know, a lot of people have. And uh, I didn't sort of stay, uh, continue to use them because they were kind of a little difficult to use, a little difficult to interpret the results. There wasn't a good way to, you know, share that information with my team or, uh, you know, just dump a whole bunch of information out there. And it was kind of just up to you to sift through it and figure out what was important and when. Um, so I, you know, thought about it for a bit and started prototyping uh, the idea that we could run static analysis on, you know, in an automated way as a service. And uh, originally, it was just going to be a weekly email with no website. You'd add your Git repository, and everything would be um, just in this one email you get every week. It would have you know charts actually embedded in the email and a summary and everything like that. So that's how it started. I kind of you know went to conferences like this, actually, um, you know, like RubyConf, and showed it to different people who were working on Teams. And I said, you know, is this something that you'd find valuable? How would you use this? And got a lot of good feedback. And that's kind of what led me to start developing it. Eventually, I realized. 
I do not want to code an entire application in straight HTML email, otherwise I'd gouge my eyeballs out. Uh, so very quickly, it was uh, a website with an email that um, includes some of the information, but that's kind of how it got started. Uh-huh. Interesting. Are you uh, is a solo founder on this one? Is it yeah. just you? Uh, I have a, a great designer named Steve Barry who helps me out with uh, with all of the, the design work, which is why it looks great, because I can't do, do any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm the, the only founder of the company. Cool. Uh, so there's a lot of... Uh a lot of people warn against single founding startups, mm-hmm. uh, like Paul Graham in particular. Yeah. How have you found the emotional roller coaster that is running your own thing? Well, l- let me back you up a second because please, I don't actually, uh, I don't consider Code Climate a startup. Oh, uh, I consider it a small business. So, you know, it's completely bootstrapped. There's no outside funding. There's no VCs involved, not even angel investors at this point. Um, and I don't really intend to do any of that. Um, it's really just intended to be a small, sustainable business. That's something that, you know, I would find value in the work that I've done previously and that other people find valuable. So a small but growing customer base. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I think... That changes the model a little bit, right? Uh, you know, I think when you hear Paul G speak, I think a lot of that is about, um, you know, the kind of companies that he's working with, which are which are these startups that are like looking to create billion dollar companies. And Code Climate's never going to be a billion dollar company, and that's totally fine with me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so being the single founder, I've sort of read some some things, talked to people about like what the effect of that is, and there's def- you know, there's a lot of pros and cons. Uh, it wasn't really a specific decision I made to do it on my own, um, but I have really sort of high standards for the people I would work with, and it would have to be somebody who you know had all these the right skill set, the right fit. So I've known for a long time and is very interested in this product, and it just didn't happen that you know, the, the timing was right for for any of those. Uh, you know those people to to sort of join at that very beginning stage so where i've ended up is solo founder so what is the implications of that it's definitely uh you know a little bit the the hardest part is at times um you know you're kind of in the trenches by yourself and so if something goes wrong or something goes really well uh there's nobody really to commiserate with or to share that expression with so mm. you know yes my friends a lot of them those like i'll be talking with them randomly someday and i might start telling them about this like thing that i'm excited about launching they're like that was kind of out of nowhere it's like yeah because <laughs> right. i don't know anyone else to tell this to you but um so it's it can be tough at times but uh you know the there are advantages too so it's just, this sort is double-edged mm. but are you, are you doing any work outside this or no um so code climate at this point is my only thing i was doing a little bit of freelance uh, up until recently to help you know cover the bills but i i've sort of wound that down and now it's Great. all code climate all the time uh which is a big reason why i want to make sure i was out here at rubyconf and you know sharing the product with people yeah absolutely so you've been uh we're here in the the sponsors room the vendors room That's so right. you've been pitching people on this today i assume yeah how how does the pitch generally get responded to yeah so it's a lot of a lot of different uh reactions you know one thing that I wasn't quite expecting with Code Climate, I had a very specific um, vision in my mind for the use case. It was like teams that were kind of like the teams that I ran. They were, um, you know, a, a good collection of like senior developers. Uh, they were small teams, and you know, they were just looking for an additional um, tool to help them sort of do the things they were already doing. Um, but you hear people tell you about different ways that they're using it, which aren't really what you would think. So, for example. Um, one thing I didn't expect was you, I got a lot of feedback from um, sort of engineering managers like, this is great for helping to um, train my less experienced engineers. I would you know, love this because it's something I can take to them. I can show them um, you know, example on Code Climate, and we can have a discussion about you know, what the different ways to approach this are, and it can be a big learning tool. So it's just really interesting to hear the, the different um, 
you know, the different ways people are using the product that you might not expect. Yeah. And, and uh, we maybe haven't covered this in a lot of detail in terms of, so it, at the end of the day, Code Climate will give you sort of a, a letter grade per class or even file, I guess, of, of code that you're looking at. Yeah, that's right. So, so, that, so that, that's sort of a really nice, like along those training lines, it's nice to, it's certainly a simplification of everything that's, that might be good or bad of a class, right? right. But it's at the end of the, it also can be really nice to have that simplification. Like, this is a D. Okay, I understand that a D is bad and that there are four things yeah, need to be fixed. Yeah, and, you know, it's an automated system, right? So it's not perfect. There's, there's always got to be a human sort of interpreting the information mm -hmm. and applying it. So, you know, do we stop and fix this now? Is this maybe even something that doesn't need to be fixed? Because this class is very difficult, but it hasn't changed in three years. And it just encodes this very specific algorithm that is itself very complicated and it's fine. Totally. Um, so, you know, it's not a tool to beat developers over the head with. I You know, sometimes I get... Um, questions from people, not the people that are at, like RubyConf, but just in other contexts. Uh, it'll be maybe non-technical people who are wondering, okay, is this like a tool that I can use to sort of like keep tabs on my developers? Yeah. And and sometimes those people come with larger checkbooks right, than the exactly. developers. So uh, you say, absolutely it is. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, I, I usually, uh, you know, I, I basically steer them away from that. And the tool is intended to be interpreted by people who are technical. Um, it's intended to be used, it's, you know, built by a developer, me, for developers. Um, you know, some engineering managers find it useful. These are people who, you know, are either still coding or are very close to code understand everything that's going on and they get value out of it. It's not for the CEO. You know, there are companies in the static analysis space which build reports uh, that are intended for CEOs to look at and see how their teams are doing. They sell them for, you know, $5,000 a month. And the developers uh, hate them. And the developers hate them. And that's not what Code Climate is. Yeah. Um, but that's another sort of interesting way that people might think about it. Yeah. So uh, to me, so you, you said that, that you were inspired to create this to solve a problem of apps that are two years old become harder to work on. Mm -hmm. So to me, the million-dollar question is, did it, does it work? Does, did it, does it, <laughs> now that you have Code Climate, yeah. are my two-year-old Rails apps going to be easier to work on? Well, there's no silver bullet uh, is the, uh, you know, one of the, the sort of constant truisms of software Certainly. engineering. If there were, then we wouldn't get paid nearly as well. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, it's a positive force, right? So you know, that's how I, I like to think about it is if you're going to be maintaining something over the long term, you want as much, th there's a natural tendency for code bases to become harder to maintain, and you want as much on your side as possible in order to sort of um, reverse that trend and mm. ideally make things so that it's easier to maintain over time. You can get features done quicker because you have the right tools and abstractions at your disposal when you're further along. Um, so, yeah, in that sense, you know, we've had a lot of uh, a lot of teams that have found it very, um, you know, very positive impact on their code base after they've been using it for a few months uh, and using it beyond that. Well, that's great. Um, it, I, I like that you brought up the fact that you still need a human to interpret the results because mm -hmm. that was actually one of my questions for you was, okay, so this class is a D. But I don't ever change it, so right. why do I care? Like, if, if there's no churn in there, yeah. and then there's no, then there isn't really actually any pain other than maybe I have to read it every once in a while to understand it, and that's hard. Yeah, so that, that's right. So one of the things that I launched within the last week or so is, uh, is a specific mashup of um, the quality of the classes compared to the amount of times that they've been changed. So you can sort of look at things in these, those four quadrants, right? There's yep. things that are good quality and don't change very much. That's great. There might be things with low quality that don't change much. Like you just said, those aren't 
necessarily things to worry about. But the ones you really need to focus on are things which are, um, you know, of, of dubious quality and are changing very frequently. And those are what I usually recommend people focus on first. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, and, and one of, I feel like another one of the important questions of this is, like, does this change behavior? Okay, mm-hmm. so I know that this class is a C. Does it actually mean that people pay attention to that. And one of the things I've noticed is we have, so we're using this Athapa with a lot of our client projects, and there's a campfire notification that right. happens when a class changes letter grades. And actually, I think that does help motivate people, because, for instance, like, we do a lot of open source work, mm-hmm. and, like, just the other day, someone, like, pushes changes to an open source, one of our repos, and suddenly campfire is like, oh, this class improved from a B to an A. Mm-hmm. And someone's like, oh, nice job. Yeah. And, like, it's, it's good to get that kind of, like, uh, kudos almost. Yeah, I mean, there's both uh, you know, there's feedback if there's new problems introduced, but there's also feedback when you're you're fixing existing issues, and yep. uh, you know both of those things are valuable at different ways and different times. Um, sometimes it's as simple as you know I, I've been coding myself before, and I you know maybe I copied and pasted something and made a mental note that like okay need to pull this out into an object before I'm finished. Got distracted, pushed it up, uh, and moved on to the next thing. And Code Climate says you know sees that and says oh wait like you know there's actually a new duplication here which is uh, you know, pretty substantial. Just like, oh, I forgot. You know, like I, was, I was working on that, and I didn't get a chance to do that last refactoring. Helps keep you honest. Sure, right. Uh, it's like automated reminders of, hey, this, this might be bad, and you didn't realize or remember. It's a guardian angel for your code base. Oh, nice. There's a little subheading for you. <laughs> um, are you running uh, any A-B tests on your uh, landing pages or um, anything within the app? I've done a little bit on like the you know the top level marketing pages, but uh, at this point, I've been focused more on you know just getting the the customer satisfaction up, and then tracking that with you know people converting from trials to paid accounts is is probably the biggest one. Are yep. they getting you know getting set up properly and able to sort of figure out how to use it in the right way? So it's a lot of educational stuff. Uh, I'm you know I'm a big proponent of doing qualitative, a lot of qualitative analysis before moving on to the quantitative stuff. Hmm. And generally, I'm more in the, you know, the, the quanti- uh, qualitative phase uh, in terms of you know, getting feedback from customers right that's now. Fu- hearing, that's something funny to hear from a guy who built a static analysis tool. <laughs> yeah. Well, for, it should, for it the, should send you a report that's like, your code looks nice today. Yeah. It has a good feeling about it. Yeah. Well, there was going to be... Um, Weather. So the product is called Code Climate, and the original email mockups. It was all going to be weather based, so it would be like, oh, it was you know drizzly this week, uh-huh. or uh, if it was really bad, it'd be like, you know, it looks like Hurricane Sandy out there, or, or whatever it is. But uh, yeah. that's kind of um, given way to the the A through F ratings being more prevalent. Hmm. Uh, what's been the biggest surprise for you so far running the business? Um, that's a good question. Uh, there's so many, but um, at varying sizes. I guess I think that the value of aggregating things together into a rating that you can simply sort of see this A through F thing, that was not there when I launched the product. It was a lot more, I mean, your complexity is a 45 and your duplication is a 13 and all that sort of stuff. You guys mm-hmm. probably saw that back when, it, you know, you know, when you first started using it. Mm-hmm. Um, and People seem to get a lot of value just from having everything kind of summarized for them. Mm-hmm. Um, they let, they really like the ability to drill down into it and know that they can if they want to. But even once they know that they can, they're just like, okay, they kind of take it on face value. So I haven't gotten, what I was expecting was a lot of feedback to come in right away. It was like, 
this number, you know, this seems wrong, like this rating is off, like you're not taking into account these five other metrics, because it doesn't have a whole lot of different metrics that it takes into account. It's, it's pretty few, and mostly the ones that, that it launched with. Um, but because it's aggregated in a way where you can say, okay, you just put that stamp on it and say it's a B, um, people get that, and totally. they appreciate that, and you just tell them how that changes, and that's kind of the right, seems to be the right level of the way they're thinking about it. And I thought it was going to need to be a lot more um, detailed all the time, like in, in all of the layers. Interesting. It, it, yeah, it's it's fascinating how you know an over. It's it's technically like an oversimplification, right? Like you can't sure, just yeah. look at a class and actually give it a grade that everyone would agree with, right? If they yeah. looked at it. Uh, but it, it's it does help as an indicator. It's like maybe this isn't exactly a B in terms of like how the whole world would rate it. Right. But just having a relative marker that maps to something I can understand and, and is here's really a helpful. Dirty secret. I mean, those ratings A through F. I had built an algorithm for computing those. I had to, and the last thing to do in the algorithm is creating the the rubric, right? right. So I, I get it all into points. And I'm like, okay, what's an A through an F? And it, I threw my finger in the air and created a scale once, and I've never changed it. <laughs> and nobody's ever. I mean, I get very little feedback that says like, ah, it seems like it's a little too harsh or it's too lenient. Um, it's just held up, uh, but uh-huh. uh, it, it worked out okay. It's an exponential scale. Um, for those interested, sort of under the covers um, okay. between you know two, four, eight, sixteen for the different ratings, uh, but you, you can't actually tell that when you're using the app. And it was just invented one day and is sort of held up. <laughs> Interesting. So you uh, you dog food this, right? Pardon? You dog food this? You you run it oh, on your yeah. own code? Yes, Code Climate does uh, analyze Code Climate okay. uh, and is mostly satisfied, but uh, a little bit displeased with the pre RubyConf coding. Uh, okay. <laughs> yep. The late night the, coding. The session. hack fest uh, oh, leading yeah. up to. to Do now. you? Um, what, what are the limitations of this static analysis? Is there stuff that you're missing that if you looked at it as a human, you would be, oh, this has got to be changed? Well, one of the big ones is test coverage. So to do any um, you know coverage analysis, you have to actually be able to execute the test suite. Mm-hmm. So uh, Code Climate can't execute your code. It can't execute your test suite. So there's no coverage information. Um, that's a big one. Uh, you know, Beyond that, um, when humans interpreting it, there's just so many different layers of you know cognitive processing that are going on to sort of figure out what's okay and what's not and what like how you should change this. Right. So one thing I say to people a lot when they use the tool is, you know, it, it comes out and it says here's all of your smells, um, but those aren't all things that necessarily need to be resolved. A smell is kind of like a pointer to a potential problem. Right. It's not a um, you know definitive. Uh, to do of something to fix. Um, so I don't recommend people go into the tool and sort of try to like fix every single thing in this list um, because I think that can be, in some cases, actually counterproductive. Um, you can end up contorting your code to sort of satisfy a tool in a way that actually isn't readable by humans. And that's ultimately the idea with maintainable code is to have code that a human can understand quickly, right? You write right. it once, you read it a thousand times. Yep. Um, you know, Code Climate reads it in its own way, but optimized for the human and let Code Climate be a pointer to that. Hmm. This is a weird question. So what do you think? If you wanted to give a competitor a plan to destroy Code Climate, to like beat you at the game, what would you tell them? 
Isn't that, that's basically asking me what my roadmap is, <laughs> isn't it? Maybe. Uh, or, or your weaknesses, or weaknesses, or yeah. I mean, I get a lot of questions about uh, other language support. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, there's. Uh, I, I like getting those questions. It's it's all Ruby right now. It's ground up uh, and 100% Ruby. Um, but you know, I, I think that there are markets in other languages for. Um, you know, helping teams in this way. Uh, Code Climate doesn't do it right now, but if it's as successful as I hope it is, uh, you know, it'll do it um, down the road. So there, there's some, um, you know, I think there's market opportunity there uh, mm-hmm. that I would like to take, but uh, <laughs> surely, you know, someone else could make an attempt at that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's an interesting market because, um, you know, people don't use a lot of alternatives they usually they might you know use some of the open source programs on the command line occasionally uh, or they don't do you know they don't use anything um, so it's kind of a lot of education uh, in terms of sort of helping teams understand exactly how to use it and that's why a lot of my efforts that I've been focused on recently are kind of in this content uh, and also sort of training category of like here, okay you've got all this information now and it's even like information that's pretty easy to digest. But how do you use that every day or every week inside of your development process that already exists? So I'm trying to sort of focus on that more. Yeah. Is the, so you, you uh, recently had a great post on your blog about splitting up active record objects. Yeah. That seems like sort of right in line with your customer base, right? You're writing how to, okay, okay so maybe I did notice there are some smells in this thing. How, what do right. I do about it? And that's almost like the how-to guide. Yeah, and, you know, eventually I think there's an opportunity to sort of cross-link that, that stuff to some extent. So you can say, okay, you have this complex method. What are different patterns for, uh, you know, uh, decomposing complex methods? What are the principles involved? What are the, you know, refactorings right. uh, that you can apply? Um, so, if, you know, eventually I'd like to sort of bring all that information together for people in a uh, quicker way. Hmm. Cool. So what, is, what does success look like for you? Success for me looks like not having to work for anybody ever again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much the the big big line in the sand uh-huh. is uh, if I can build a business which is uh, it has happy customers is sustainable um, that is something I'm passionate about like code climate and I can just focus on that and not have to uh, you know not even have to do freelance work um, that would be fantastic and it's not there yet so you know I really especially appreciate all the early support on it mm-hmm. um, but that's really it you know I'm not looking to raise a bunch of money and make this thing worth a billion dollars uh, I just want to you know help developers get their you know the work that they're already doing done more effectively faster more maintainable code bases and uh, you know it needs to pay the bills uh, uh, in New York those bills are higher than they would be uh, elsewhere uh-huh. but um, you know that that's what success is for me cool sounds good so if people wanted to get in touch with you and uh, and or try code climate how would they do that yeah so code climate is codeclimate.com uh, there's a 14 day free trial for commercial accounts for private accounts it's the same model as github so we do free uh, unlimited hosting for open source projects and we just cross about 2,500 uh, open source projects. We're really happy about that. Mm. Um, and then we've got the you know the private accounts for teams using uh, you know who have their own code bases that they want to keep uh, keep private. Then there's a 14 day trial for that. So that's where I'd recommend that they they start and check that out. Um, if anyone wants to reach me, uh, then my email address is Brian B R Y A N at Code Climate, and people can email me directly, and I'm happy to help them with you know any questions they have about how basically how best to use the tool, using it in their you know. Uh, 
um, in their workplace or anything like that. Cool. Well, uh, do you have a Twitter handle that we should uh, I do. put out there? Uh, so there's, there's the Code Climate Twitter account, which I've been using to um, tweet a lot of sort of open source uh, and object design, refactoring, sort of links like that. So if you're interested in that co- sort of content, like the kind of stuff I blog about, you want to follow Code Climate. My personal Twitter is Brynary. That's B-R-Y-N-A-R-Y. All right. Well, thanks very much for stopping by, Brian. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, take care.